Welcome to Listening to Paint Dry with Mike and Dan, a podcast about the art and hobby of miniature painting. I'm Mike. And I'm Dan. Thank you for joining us as we continue our journey to be better, braver, happier painters. Well, we got a lot going on in the Listening to Paint Dry world, so we're going to try to get through this the best we can. Uh, we have a couple little changes in our format, which isn't a big deal. So here we go. So our first segment is called What's on Our Desks? So Mike, what do you got going on right now? Uh, way too much. Long list of projects. The first thing I have is, I have to get is the local GW store asked me to paint the apothecary biologists for the local store uh, before this before the twenty fourth when the Leviathan box comes out. So that is my number one priority. Um, I finished up the mech for you. I'm finishing uh, Lionel Johnson commission. And I have just finished uh, 99.9% final touch-ups on the Red Scribe for a painting contest. And then, of course, my whole goal is to get to be painting the Vampire Hunter D I have. As, you know, I got a cool shirt yesterday for Father's Day with a Vampire Hunter D on it. So pretty excited about that. Hope to show that off at ReaperCon. What about you, Dan? Uh, let's see. Well, my printer's been giving me a shit ton of problems, so I've been dealing with that for a couple weeks. Um, let's see. Still got my Battletech stuff going on. Uh, doing some scenery. Um, most of it is administrative stuff that we will probably talk about in a little bit. So I guess segment two this time will be Kickstarters. So Dan, are there any new Kickstarters out there that you've backed or are looking forward to? Well, Mike, uh, I've kind of like tapped myself out on Kickstarter at this point. So I did the um, the lights from Redgrass. Um, of course, the Battletech one we've been talking about for a while. I backed the Mercenaries uh, Kickstarter. Uh, I'll get that sometime next year or the year afterwards. And of course, the uh, the art of series from our friend Dave Taylor. So that's pretty much all the money I've made this year. So I'm I'm not even looking for any more Kickstarters. I'm probably going to have to shut my account, account down because I just can't. There's just so much hobby stuff that's that's uh, out there nowadays. I got to kind of reel that stuff in a little bit. What about you? What do you got going on? Did you back for all three books? Yes. I just backed for Eric Eric's book. Um, as well as I backed the Chimera models one, but I only bought the 75 millimeter Galen model. Um, I just can't justify the paints. I don't work really well with the Chimera paints. So as much as I, uh, I adore Mark Maskelin's, uh, flesh, flesh painting, I'm not, I, I the paints themselves, I, I kind of struggle with, and I learned that at Adepticon. Um, and right now I don't have the time to work with new paints. Um, cause of all the stuff that I've kind of got going on. Um, I did notice something different and it's a, this is a little bit of a segue away from the, uh, the, the notes that we have written down, but the interesting aspect of it is it seems more and more difficult to actually get a physical model these days off of Kickstarter. It seems like that world has kind of changed to mostly STL files. Yeah. And you probably, you have to pay a premium like a super premium in order to get a, um, um, a printed copy. It kind of, um, kind of stinks. Cause, um, you know, sometimes it's just easier 
just to have it for that one item or if you really, really want it. Uh, but I would imagine that the, there'll be enough vendors out there that will uh, be allowed to print them out, hopefully, um, and you can get your prints that way. Yeah, it'll be nice to see if, you know, the if it, things become more, if it ever swings back the other way that, or is STLs, are they really the, the future of what Kickstarter and models are? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's going to make it, well, that's going to be interesting because a lot of the established folks for the STLs, I mean, they, they do it on the, um, on the STL sites, uh, not maybe not Thingverse, but um, uh, let's see, my mini my factory. My mini factory, yeah. Is it 3D Colts or Colts 3D? One of those two. Yeah, geek. Um, yeah, so they already have established, or they have Patreons also that they churn out. I'm still doing the Star Wars ones, um, and I'm probably getting 30, 40 figures a freaking month for you know five or ten dollars uh, a month, and I can't even keep up with that. Um, but the event, you know, to think about going into a Kickstarter, um, I kind of see that some of the merits of it, but I might as well just go ahead and just, uh, back for a particular piece later on down the road or, uh, support the, those artists on Patreon. It just seems to be a little bit more economical at this point. It was interesting talking to Taylor from Creature Caster and he pointed out kind of the, the crazy model, which is like five, 10 bucks you get. 30 to 60 models a month but are they really all 60 of them are that good when are you going to print them um and that there are more and more kind of creators that are popping up that are basically a dollar an stl so they create a figure the file's a dollar they have hundreds of figures and so you can kind of just pick and choose so it's interesting that that market is still playing itself out you know what i mean yeah, and it's an interesting take. I mean, but there's there's more than enough people out there that that are on those forums that show that they don't mind printing hundreds of figures every couple of days. Um, and if you own the if you own the files for you know for a dollar or two, uh, obviously established um, traditional sculptors and uh, manufacturers are you know that's definitely going to be. Uh, going to take some uh have an impact on 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 their business models all right so i guess that leads us into the main topic of the night all right so hear me out here i'm it's going to be a long stretch so let's see where this goes and all right synchronicity other than what we talk about uh on patreon with uh with bands and records and songs uh, Secretancy is a great album that came out about 40 years ago this weekend by one of my favorite mainstream bands, The Police. Um, I also follow this theory of synchronicity. So that's basically it's a phenomenon in which people interpret two or more separate unrelated experiences. Um, they happen to be intertwined a little bit somehow. Uh, even though there's no evidence that one is leading to the other and they are linked in some kind of weird casual way. So when the universe wants to send you a message that, hey, you know, you're on the right track, this is when we end, end up seeing something like that. So whatever causes it, synchronicity is either too common or it's too intriguing of an experience for us to overlook or to dismiss and forget all about it eventually. Um, but it's... um. 
it's just a fun, it's a fun thing. And I'm not talking about going into Jungian uh, theories and psychology, but just kind of fun. So, um, so we'll end up doing a show on that someday. Um, but a few months ago, Mike and I were, were talking about all these different kind of tops topics. And one of them that came up was where does your stuff go or where does our stuff go when we finally pass on? It was still just an idea, but reality started to settle in a little bit. Uh, first was a passing of a very personal friend of mine. Um, and then within a week or so, uh, a friend of our community and a guest of the show, Kathy Wapple, passed also. Around this time, I also stumbled upon many, many articles about another subject um, that we need to talk about someday is as we get much older, our offspring, our children, friends, um, for a fact, don't share the same love for our hobbies and collections. So today, as grim as it may be, we got to talk about what's going on. So you can't take the minis with you? Uh, I don't think so. Do you think they have mini painting in heaven? Well, possibly, and I'm sure some form of mini painting, uh, but maybe we'll do another show about that later on. So let's talk about planning on what we do with our meetings in the event that you're no longer able to hobby. Life changes have made uh, made it so that you're no longer willing to, to continue the hobby or an end the event of our untimely passing. So let's see. Yeah. Um, so let's get mentally prepared because this shit ain't fun. Uh, we put a lot of time and effort into what we do. We really love our hobbies, either it be video games or uh, sports or whatever. Um, but this is tangible. This is a part of us. So there's a couple of things we probably should talk about or at least think about when we are thinking about what we should do with this. I mean, there might be a time when we are either able to make these plans or at least set something up for later on down the road. Or you'd be like me and just sell all your shit to give it all away. But I think that might actually be part of what we're doing. That might be one of the options. So I think that one of the first things you need to do is talk to your family first. Talk to your family and your friends. Find out what kind of stuff you have, the paints, your figures, your little armies, the boxes and cases of terrain, your cool freaking boards that you play on. Any of those that are special to you or special to them, um, write that down. Let them know like, hey, you know what? You guys are going to have first dibs of this. So after that, it's much easier. Uh, you can get some money out of it if you want to while you can. You can sell them early. So a couple things. You can join a Facebook group. Uh, you can start slowly selling off some of the pieces that you don't really have much of an attachment to. Um because we got to cut the fat anyway, right? Uh, one thing that uh, that I prescribe to a little bit is to donate. Uh, there are many charitable foundations out there and painting groups that can use your stuff for, for raffles or giveaways or even price support. If you're not going to be using it and it's sitting, sitting somewhere in a box, it's all painted up, looks nice, or even if it's just gray, it might be a good time to think about what you can do. Because remember... If you don't have a plan up front, your family will not have the time or the capacity to deal with this. Um, 
They may resort to just donating it all to Goodwill or thrift stores or something like that, or they may just throw it away. I've seen multiple. Um, you can you can tell if you go to some of these auction sites, you can see where people just throw their stuff out there, um, not knowing what prices are. Uh, some of the groups that I'm on on Facebook, people are like, "Hey, you know, so and so passed away." Or, and here's here's a bunch of stuff. I have no idea what it is. Someone just give me an offer. I don't know what to do with this stuff. That's an extra burden that we don't want to put on our families. So let's just come up with something beforehand. Write it down. You have wills. Those work very well. And we're thinking about our family at that point because they have a lot of stuff going on they don't need to worry about. Um, if we have it written out, they'll know where to go. Some other things to consider is making it easier on your family. Some of the stuff that I already do are things like I, I leave some form of a record. I know my family would not know any, uh, what most of my stuff is I have painted, what it's worth, or any sentimental value. So in order to resolve that, I do things like on the bottom of the plinth, I write the name of the model and the date for the year that I painted it. Um, I also take pictures of so make sure I have pictures of stuff as well. Um, and I use, when I do pictures that I keep in like kind of my sentimental things, I actually do the alt, alt text on it. So when you hover over it, you'll see what it says. Label any award you win with that model name, year, and uh, where you want it. Um, I, I always do this uh, like two different ways. So for example, my Quicksilver piece won a gold medal at ReaperCon. So on the bottom... I also wrote gold medal at ReaperCon 2023 and on the metal box that it, the box came with them, the metal came with a box. I also wrote it on the box as well. So it matches, they could actually find the metal that that piece won. And I also got a gold for it, that piece at the annual Sol uh, national capital model soldier society show as well. And so I made that note on both the model and that metal as well. So though that way, when, they're going through the stuff. They can actually look at the bottom and read and see um, any of the history of it. Um, that it, it's kind of neat uh, to share. I know some of the stuff when my dad passed, um, he had a bunch of Navy stuff and he started marking. He didn't do a very good job of completely marking stuff, but it was interesting to see some of what his memorabilia was from, et cetera, when we were able to turn it over and then kind of read about it. I, I, another thing to do is try to consolidate, consolidate all your stuff into one place. Uh, your family doesn't need to consistently stop and pivot to deal with your little plastic toys that you've hidden uh, for over a decade. Um, the other thing, too, um, that we don't have on our, our show notes, too, is making sure your kind of pile of shame is organized as well. Um, that <laughs> I'm really bad at this because I, I start models and that they kind of sit for years and years. I realized that I had a piece. I was just cleaning my painting area over the last few days because we have visitors coming in. And I noticed that um, I had a whole box of about eight models. I totally forgot I even had and started painting. And I'm going to be honest, I didn't know what three of them were or who made them or anything. So I had to research them. Um, and so I know if I don't know what my stuff is, nobody else is going to know what it is and putting it all in one place is a good thing uh, to do. 
Also, one of the things you could do is have a contact list of friends or family members that can help with the, any of that in the event of an unplanned passing. Um, when your youngster get get older, youngsters get older, they'll understand. But like, for example, if you have friends in the hobby space, you know, make sure that uh, your significant other or family members have a contact for them, so that way they can help with dealing with your miniatures. Yeah. So Mike is my contact or my wife's contact if anything was to happen. So she'll just put it in a big dumpster and roll it to him. And then he's just going to take it home and figure out what to do with it or donate it or keep it or do whatever he wants to with it. But she doesn't want any of, she just doesn't want to deal with any of that stuff. So I totally get it. Uh, so yeah, Mike is my person, but it can be a store also. Um, let's say you have a local, uh, store you're at like, Hey, you know what, in case you're, you know, someday you might unfortunately get an email or a phone call, uh, just to let you know what you guys are going to be, um, asked to help with and they can do whatever they want. They can sell it. They can use it as store armies. They can, um, auction it off, use it as display pieces, uh, make a mantle somewhere and put your picture on there with all your little figures, whatever they like. And I, I cannot stress enough the value of joining a group, local group in your area. Um, for example, with the National Capital Model Soldier Society in Northern Virginia and D, it's DMV area, they had two older members who moved from their house to assisted living. They haven't even passed away yet. They no longer paint. Their families don't live in the area. And so they actually donated it to the club and the club has been able to make thousands of dollars um, off of the stuff that they had to put back in the club, enhance the quality of the show that's coming up this year. Um, it's It really was a huge boon for the club to receive these, I mean, uh, <laughs> the equivalent of probably three mid-sized u-haul trucks worth of models both painted and unpainted and then um i literally have a tub of plinths from it and that wasn't even i didn't even dent what um was available and they were still selling them at a different shows over the last year it's still not you know finally they've gotten rid of not gotten rid of they were able to sell most of the stuff um but you know, it's a, it's wonderful to give back to the hobby community. Um, that's a nice little way that that people have, and I know that, especially in the IPMS world, in in uh, figure painting world, a lot of those groups members are getting older and older. Um, and so now we're not we're not quite old enough yet to paint paint historical models yet, Dan. We still have a few years left before that. But yeah, just a couple though, just a couple. Um, so that's a that's a inter that that that's a wonderful way to to help support the group. And I know one of the things that they're doing with that is working more towards enticing more Gundam and kind of sci-fi fantasy modelers into these groups to keep them going. Because you know what, the youth is the future of the hobby, right? And if you're environmentally conscious, we can throw all this plastic in the landfill 
where you can pass on to someone else. Right. And God forbid resin. What else? I mean, I can't imagine resin is good in any way, shape or form for the environment. Especially when you pour it down your sink and it hasn't been used yet. Not good. Not good. And neither are those old uh, pewter models, right? Because I know uh, we were laughing at some of the stuff that we had received as a donation in the group. And we're like, those are, that was cast in 1960. Probably should keep it closed. <laughs> it's probably radioactive at this point. Anything else on estate planning, Dan? Uh, you know, it really doesn't have to be, um, you know, this tragic sit down conversation with your family and stuff. I mean, you could just like write something up real quick and give it to your family uh, or, you know, uh, friends, things like that. Um, but it doesn't just um, have to be your, you know, your miniatures. If, if there's other things that you collect, um, just think about it. If you're younger than us, you still got it quite a while before you really have to start uh thinning things through. But as we see our family members getting older and we see how they start um, getting rid of things that just aren't as important to them as it used to be, um, you know, we have to try to figure out like, oh, we're going to be in the same boat there pretty soon. So, yeah. But all you all you youngsters out there that just got out of high school and college, y'all, y'all got a bunch of decades. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. We just lost uh, a high school friend uh, who had a long battle with cancer um, about just about a month ago. And this whole process of the people moving from moving to assisted living without family in the area to some friends and family dying has kind of changed a little bit of my approach and thought process. I was already starting to decrease what I have. Um, I've gotten rid of a lot of stuff in the last three months. Um, actually, over the course of last year, I've, I've gotten way, rid of way more than, I, than I've purchased, which is a good sign. Um, but I've noticed that that thought process is actually sitting there thinking about like the Leviathan box set that they just pre-ordered. I'm like... I want one, maybe two models out of that. Why buy something that's going to sit in a box that my family's just going to have to deal with after I die? Because honestly, it's a lot of money just to be sitting there collecting collecting dust. And so it's in, it's interesting. And also the one thing I want to throw out there too is some of this is an opportunity to celebrate your hobby and take an opportunity to look through the work you've done with friends and family. Um, and so it doesn't, it doesn't have to necessarily be a morbid thing where, you know, we're all going to die. And so any opportunity you get to celebrate what you, the hard work you've put in, the sweat, blood, tears, the joy that you've had, um, I think that's a beautiful thing. That's my, that's my final take on it. <laughs> yeah. This is not a fun episode. <laughs> nope. But we think it's important. Uh, I think it's important for y'all to to think about this stuff. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, you know, there's, I don't want to think about mold lines, but we talk about them enough. Um, you know, there's all aspects of things. Now, granted, mold lines aren't nearly as, as bad as, you know, dying, but sometimes they make well, you want know. to die. Yes, that is true. But, so I guess uh, we can move on to kind of the, the third segment then, which would be 
podcast news and updates. And I get to go first this time. And I'm about jumping through my skin waiting. Right now, I am waiting for the final STL file for the trophies for the ReaperCon Youth Awards sponsored by listening to Paint Dry and our amazing patrons. Um, if you haven't seen it on the Discord, I will post the final version of them uh, on the Patreon as well. I'm really excited about the way it turned out. It has been, I have been working with this with months. I have worked with 15 different sketch artists, seven different sculptors trying to get somebody to do these things. It has occupied way, way too much of my time. And then it is a stupid story on how this all works. Speaking of the National Capital Model Soldier Society, we ha we went to a show in Fairfax back in April um, and two of our Spanish members who actually live in the northern uh, live in the DMV and come to the meetings, um, well, one of them, uh, one of them is brand new. They were there to meet me, but I was only actually, I wound up going in judging and leaving, um, just because of the way my schedule was, but I knew that they needed, they needed judges. Um, so fast forward that week, we're supposed to have a meeting. It's my daughter's, my middle child's 17th birthday. So I can't go to that meeting, finally meet them, meet him last month in the at the the group meeting sculptor looking for people to paint um and i am painting a couple of models so the cost of the sculpt is more um than we have raised and so the difference for that is going to i'm going to pay with uh painting a couple of models for his upcoming kickstarter and it's like I'll do a better job with this later. 3D Samurai Art is the sculptor. Um, and so the, him and his partner uh, partner put the the new trophy award, like put it together for us. And so it kind of is a double whammy. We get the sculpt SDL that's pre-supported and I get, I guess, technically what would be my first versions of a box art. So it's kind of a, a, a fun thing, but it's also more to add to my plate. And I was swearing I wasn't going to do any commissions after what I had finished in there, but necessity calls because he doesn't want the money. He wants the models painted. Um, and so got to do what you got to do, right? That is right. And so what did you haven't really heard anything from you about what the trophies look like. What do you think, Dan? I think it looks pretty cool. I thought it'd be a little bit more non-human, but um, um, I don't know the gentleman that's doing this, but uh, I think it's a thumbs up right now. Well, the other other side of it too is um, the guy who's the sculptor, the two sculptors are Spanish with English as their second language. And so we have had some communication struggles. Um, and so given, given those things, the way it's kind of turned out. And so when I, inter when I interviewed Africa Murr, I, we talked a little bit offline about what as a sculptor she would need to actually like do something. And I kind of explained to her, kind of what our situation was and she actually bless her heart she's like 
if I didn't have like eight models to sculpt for Chimera, she, she would have done it in a heartbeat for us. Um, but when I told her all the stuff and showed her the logo, she's like, oh my God, that is more than a good sculptor needs. Um, and so all the time that I had kind of pissed away dealing with Fiverr and other like going through sculpting, digital sculpting forums and things along those lines was all a waste of time. This guy did, a, even with the, the language barrier, did a very good job uh, coming up with it. So the nice thing is it is module. So um, we'll be able to change what it reads on the base. On the base for ReaperCon, it'll say Youth Painting Award, which is lovely. But if we have other events that we sponsor, um, hopefully in the future, then it will be, whatchamacallit, then it'll be, uh, we'll be able to change that really easily. So it's pretty cool. exciting. Well, you know, um, if, if we're having a language barrier, I know quite a few people uh, at my job that can help. I, I believe I have a couple people that might speak Spanish. That would make sense. I'll just leave it there. Yep. Um, and anything uh, as well, um, so something really cool too about ReaperCon. Um, I still have a few seats left in my Welcome to the Jungle basing class. My other three classes are sold out, um, and two of them sold out within the first few hours, which was really very cool. I was astonished. Um, and the two that sold out really quickly was the painting tiny text and black lining and edge highlighting. That was pretty cool. But there's still a lot of other classes left at ReaperCon. So if you've got your tickets but haven't registered for classes, there's a bunch of really cool stuff still going on. So with that, though, I guess we could segment to, do, do you have some uh, uh, Nova Open updates? Uh, we got a lot of updates. So uh, let's see. To continue on with uh, Mike uh, and I sponsoring the Youth Award at Reaper, um, we are also going to be sponsoring the painting award at um, the Battletech Southern Assault 3 in Winston-Salem. Uh, so we'll be producing some swag and we'll be judging and uh, providing some prize support for their art competition. Um, that is, uh, let's see, early November, I believe. I have to look at the dates again. Actually, I don't know if he gave us the dates yet. Uh, but this is uh, run by uh, Robert Ash from um fortress miniatures which is um or fortress minis and games uh it's a um that's a guy that i get all my battle tag stuff from he's a he's a super awesome guy and he runs a really great competition it's um, usually the second week in november i think yeah like, it's first or second i can't remember yeah um, it's the first I, week you're on your own because that's my first week first weekend is my anniversary it's just mm -hmm. an anniversary. You have many of those. <laughs> this is the our, our anniversary. Uh, our, our marriage is legal to drink. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. So. Uh, so let's see. I will have a surprise Nova open event, but I can't give details just yet. And speaking of Nova open in the Capitol palette, uh, we are lucky to have official sponsors this year. Uh, normally we just get stuff for our winners. Um, but this year we have Monument Hobbies, which is our prime major sponsor for this year. Um, and it's been great working with Jason over the last couple months. 
Uh, we also have uh, Redgrass is going to be providing some items that people might be interested in as prize support. Artist Opus, Game Envy as normal, and then we have a couple others that I can't talk about yet. Um, this is not a joke. Um, they have come in full force to support this our competition. I'm super stoked. Uh, we have uh, some minor administrative changes that we're going to go through. We hope that it makes uh, the entry process easier. Uh, the judging process would be a lot easier and smoother. Actually, it's pretty darn smooth. Um, but uh, we're, we're making some advances. So if you've been to other art competitions in the last year or so and had some challenges or some issues, I think we'll have you covered and give you a good event. Um, our judge list is not going to be changing very much. So we have the same wonderful folks as we had last year. I'm not going to name them off right now because I had a little too much to drink and there's some powerful drugs in my system. Um, but to let you know, the dates are August 30th through September 3rd. Uh, let's see, Sunday afternoon, we will have our award ceremony. And I think we have some stuff going on there too. Might not want to miss it. It's going to be pretty fun. Uh, and you can find uh, Capital Palette information and Nova Open information on Facebook and Instagram. And one other thing I want to pass along real quick is uh, Mike's ex-roommate, Dev, who's been a member of our show for quite a while, uh, is going to be having a Battletech painting workshop the weekend before Nova Open. Um, I guess people were just weren't very excited about um, learning how to paint entire armies, I guess, uh, through Shatter, uh, was it Shatter Point or whatever it is for Star Wars and um, uh, 10th edition coming out so early in the summer that everybody's all excited and it's already doing painting. So we weren't having a very good time with that, but we have such a huge Battletech community uh, up in our area, Northern Virginia, Maryland, that um, talking to some of the folks there, they're pretty excited about it. So we're going to have a nice little uh, short day of uh, just one day of painting some Battletech mechs. Uh, we'll do airbrush. We'll do regular painting. Also, we'll go into details, or doing painting details. Um, and then the latter half of the day, if you don't want to continue having private lessons or personal attention lessons with Dev, uh, then um, you can play Battletech because we'll have a bunch of tables in a private room. Uh, and if you're listening and you guys are, uh, coming down from down South or anywhere around the world, uh, you might just have a sleepover at Dan's house if, uh, you guys are coming from out of town. Um, but way out of town, not you local guys, you're not going to stay. Uh, well, except for Mike, Mike gets to stay. Uh, let's see what else do we have going on with that? Oh, catered lunch and swag. We're going to be actually sponsored. Uh, we have a sponsored painting class from death ray designs so they're giving us some swag that we can hand out we have some remaining swag that we want to give out so we'll have some uh some things to to give out to our folks as they come to learn how to paint battletech mix and hopefully i can get those things done before the battletech competition and grimer grinder that's uh happening friday and saturday uh that's about it because that's a lot of stuff that we're that we're uh piling onto our plates we don't know what else is going to be happening because it just happens is have you learned anything new recently? So there, I have one thing written down, but there are actually a few things that, that I have learned recently. The first is, um, I've really worked hard at figuring out how to create a saturated red. And I have to give props to, uh, Will Hahn of sick Willie miniatures guest of the show, 
fantastic painter, lovely, lovely human being. Um, one of my favorite people to see anytime we get a chance to see him. Um, and one of the strategies of using it, uh, of painting red is starting with your kind of your, your saturated working down to your shadows and then working up using non red colors. Like I use, um, I use sunny skin tone and ice yellow mixed in, um, to my highest red color that I'm using. Then I will glaze over that with a red ink and then go back over that with, through an airbrush with fluorescent red, honestly, like the red jumps. And then of course you have to go work back, uh, work the shadows, make sure that your darkest shadows are damn near black. But it was kind of an interesting learning process using, um, because actually it kind of put all my fluorescent paints in a box and just kind of put them aside because fluorescent paints are tricky to work with. You can't really thin them with water to get a good result. You do need to use like a thinning medium uh, to get a better result. Otherwise they just break um, very, very quickly because they're not, they're highly translucent and just not, they don't have a strong binder per se. So the second thing is, I don't know if you knew this, that the Tamiya airbrush cleaner and the Tamiya extra thin cement are fundamentally the same product. Yeah. I've been reading about that lately. It Um, is true. I bought some of the, I was out of extra thin cement. They had the airbrush cleaner. I bought it and I successfully glued models together with it. (laughs) And it works the same exact way. (laughs) That's weird shit. Um, I I guess there's a single chemical difference. um, And that was kind of fun. Um, you know, and I've probably most people know this already, especially if you went to Adepticon and it just paying attention lately, it seems like every short is about this, but, uh, I no longer use paper towels when I, uh, dry brush. Um, I have a dry palette somewhere around here, not sure where it is, but I've actually been using, I found a random piece of scenery, um, that I will never use. And I use that to take the paint off. And honestly, it is you know, the process of dry brushing, you're still going to get a powdery look, but it is much, much smoother doing that. And then relighting the paint, you know, relivening the paint with a little dollop of water, et cetera. So that was an, those are kind of the three main things that I've learned recently. Cool. So it makes me wonder if you spray figures with this stuff that's supposed to be airbrushed paint thinner will that melt your plastic figures it's cleaner not thinner oh it's cleaner it's okay. an airbrush cleaner not the thinner yeah okay yeah i would yeah, probably would. melt your pla- melt your yeah because that would kind of suck yep hmm. yeah yeah uh, okay okay uh so what have i learned uh i've learned that over the years i've spent way too much money on my hobbies and other useless things. <laughs> it's all about life lessons today, everybody. Um, <laughs> en- but enjoy your hobbies while you're alive. And hopefully you can pass it on to another generation of gamers or hobbyists. And they can enjoy it later on, too. You but said yes. that you've been painting scenery for Battletech? Uh, yes. Um talk a little bit about that like how is 
do you find it's different? Is it any different than like painting? For example, we got tortured with having to prime all that shit at the kill team open, which I'm never doing again. Um, like, oh, the walls. Uh, um, uh, I, I think that that pain was due to the, just the shitty weather conditions. I think things would have been a lot better if it was not raining and cold and windy and shit. True. Um, I'm but still it's not going to do it, even if it's a beautiful sunny day. Nothing, nothing. Well, <laughs> well, they have to, hopefully they plan for an extra day in there beforehand or right. get something done before that. Um, yeah, it's much different. So I'm using airbrushes for the most part. Um, it's more like painting. I mean, because I'm using Battletech scenery. Um, That's the stuff you like, picked up at Adepticon from Deathray, right? Yeah, and I got, yes, Deathray stuff. And uh, actually, yeah, it was all their stuff. Um, and it's it's like painting scale models. It's just a big enough, flat enough surface where you can do like it's pretty big it's i mean it's not like a shin guard or um a shoulder pad for a space marine i mean it's much much bigger and there's a lot more room and wiggle in there and you can do some interesting stuff so that's that was kind of fun um i have some um not resin but the other 3d printed one i can't remember the name of it saved my life uh f not fdr it was a president um I know. Yeah, it's the filament. Yeah, the filament stuff. Um, so I have some buildings that was out of that from Thunderhead Studios. That guy makes some fantastic stuff, and he, um, he's he been really good for our community also on the Battletech side. He does some really good bases. He does a lot of modifications uh, for mechs, um, and he does some really fantastic just over-the-top scenery. So um, I've been learning on how to do that. So honestly the painting part of actually been having to watch shows on people that 3d print cosplay costume parts because they're the ones who 3d print these, you know, mask or, um, things, um, trinkets and they have to smooth them out. So it's been really interesting learning about how to do that. So going to automotive stores and buying like filler or sandable uh primer spraying that on doing a little bit of sanding and the other thing if you haven't played with it this stuff is really hard i did not realize how hard it was the so, filament plastic yeah so sanding isn't just like getting 300 grit paint or uh, paint and or um, sandpaper and just sanding it off like it's nice like resin stuff for the some of the plastics that we're using nah man you need that freaking like 220 180 grit and really like, get in there and take it down um but i've heard some that of the, they use acetone sometimes to there's all kinds of there's all kinds of things and yeah. I, don't, I don't need another <laughs> i don't need another hobby um distraction uh but it was interesting just to sit for a day or two and just watch a couple of videos on how they do it um and it actually was pretty cool i mean you know i was like oh i can just go to the auto store and buy a primer for six dollars you know and uh this stuff works pretty good um so that that's been kind of interesting uh working with that but some of the other stuff the mdf wood and things like that that's been pretty easy to paint and i should have a bunch more stuff coming in and i know that uh, death ray designs has got some 
some other sets that are coming out uh, in the next month or so. So I'll probably be picking those up also since um, Alpha Strike uses just standard um, standard sized kind of um, terrain, uh, not the uh, not the map scale, not the map scale size where you know the buildings are like the size of thimbles and things like that. But um, but that's been kind of interesting um, learning about that a little bit more than just a casual observer on it. Um, yeah, I think that's about it really, uh, cleaning out fish tanks, um, cleaning my records, listening to my records, uh, cleaning up back rooms, uh, mice suck. So I've been dealing with those peckers. I hate mice. Um, yeah, there's lots of different ways to kill mice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They need to make sure they talk to their family about what kind of what they're going to do with their hobby stuff when I crush them. Assholes. <laughs> I just laid a yeah. patio today. Dug it out. I'd so, rather do that all day long than have to deal with these fucking mice. That's why I pay a company, man. So, lessons for you. If you have a room or... You like birds and you have bird seed, put the shit in sealed boxes. Don't just lay it around on the floor because the mice will smell it and they like to eat it, especially in the wintertime. And it's spring and we know what happens in the spring with the animals. They get a little frisky and they make more little animals. Yeah, so I that's my money well spent. We have a monthly service that comes in and sprays and checks boxes and, and We have and- two. We have two hmm. and they still got in my effing house. Yikes. And you don't back, like I back to woods and I haven't knock on wood had a problem, but no, also I got, a, go ahead. I got two effing dogs. I got snakes around cats hmm. everywhere. We got crows flying around and shit. There should snakes. be no mice in his home. I find snakes in my garage all the time. We haven't found any in a while, but they should be around here. I mean, you know, it's. I made the mistake of leaving a bag of topsoil open. And uh, I dumped it out in an area that I was going to plant grass seeds, and like five snakes were like shot around. I was like, well, I'm glad I'm the only person that saw that because the rest of my family would be in therapy after that. Yeah, that would have been, that would not have went very well at the house. Yeah, so. All right. yeah. Very cool. Well, I guess it's time to hit the wrap up. So that does it for this episode. Thank you so much to all our listeners. Without you, we wouldn't be here. Thank you for spreading the word about the show. Every listen and download greatly helps. If you haven't already, you can like, subscribe, or follow us wherever you get your podcast. If you could leave us a good review, we would be very appreciative. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Listening to Paint Dry. You can check out our links, including our Patreon in the show notes. We also have an email address at listeningtopaintdry.gmail.com. So with that being said, it may feel like heaven on earth to become a better, braver, happier painter. See ya. Listening to Paint Dry with Mike and Dan is a production of LTPDWMD. All rights reserved. No portion of this recording may be used without the express written consent of the host. The music is Death by a Thousand Questions by Springtide. 
Download from the free music archive on a non-commercial attribution share alike basis. All views and opinions expressed in the show are solely the views and opinions of the person who said them. All celebrity voices, if any, were impersonated and done so poorly.